Today is the first Sunday of Advent, marking the beginning of a new church year. On this date also comes the feast of St. Francis Xavier. And so the second oration of the Mass is from the feast day Mass of St. Francis Xavier, the great confessor and missionary, a disciple of St. Ignatius Loyola. As always, I ask you to please keep in your prayers those who are ill and some of the recently deceased. I have a special announcement to make, of course, with regard to the passing of Bishop Kelly, which I will keep to the end. But now I, I ask you to please keep in your prayers Mrs. Mary Stevelak, who recently passed away. Please keep in your prayers also Maria Bischel and Paul Riley and family. Remember Rosanna Fiore. Remember, please, Nancy and Lori Nelson and their cousin, Monsignor Handworker. Remember Rich Wilt and his family. Remember Father Starbuck and Father Campbell. Donna King. Remember Cliff Hogan and Marion Shawhan, Pat Tootie, Cheryl Johnson, and Mary Beth Wemel, and so many other dear souls we know who are suffering with illness or injury. Please pray that God may give them relief and the strength to carry the cross for him patiently. Now on Thursday, December 7th, we have a vigil day, the vigil of the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. That'll be the 7th of December. And in that vigil of the Immaculate Conception, we have a day of fast and complete abstinence so that even, even children from seven years and older are required to observe the abstinence, even if not the fast. So please make a note of that. And then, of course, on the Holy Day itself, December 8th, we have the Holy Day of Obligation for all Catholics to attend Mass. And uh, that Holy Day is very special for us. Not only is it a Holy Day of the Universal Church, the great mystery of faith, the Immaculate Conception of Our Lady, but that is our patronal feast day. It is also the patronal feast day of our country because our, our nation is dedicated formally to the Immaculate Conception of Mary. Our Lady. And so we have a threefold claim for that feast day to celebrate. The Masses will be at 8.30 p.m. And, I'm sorry, I beg your pardon. The Masses will be on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, December 8th, at 8.30 a.m. and at 6 p.m. So please note the two Masses, 8.30 in the morning and 6 o'clock in the evening on December 8th. Now, I remind you also the Christmas appeal is in progress, and I ask your generosity, please. We do have certain needs, things that we owe in justice. In other words, to, to continue at all, we need to pay our bills. So I ask you to please help in any way you can. I appeal to your generosity. I am not naturally inclined, and I don't know many priests who are naturally inclined to ask for help, especially financial help. I assume that you all know that uh, what, what the faith and the practice of the faith is worth to you, 
and I hope you put a great value on it, and I could trust that that will be enough. So it is awkward for me to ask, to ask for money. I always feel very awkward about that, including the Christmas appeal. But I do think now upon the occasion of the death of Bishop Kelly, that there are those, especially the clergy, who really have given their entire lives to this, the very thing that I'm asking you to support, is the very thing that I myself, Bishop Kelly also, we have devoted our entire lives to this. So we shouldn't feel in any way reluctant or embarrassed to ask you to give what you can, even of your surplus and superabundance. So I'm not asking for myself, but I'm asking for our Lord and for your own souls and the souls that, who depend on you. To please be generous with the Christmas appeal. And it's, it's important that as many people as possible can give something because if we had one donor who could come forward in, uh, each year and just say, I will take care of the entire amount of the Christmas appeal, I'd say, well, that, that is a wonderful thing. I thank God for that and thank you for your generosity. But it would still be lacking something. And that something would be lacking was the participation of so many, many souls after all, we want to stand as a, as a body before our Lord, and that involves all of us contributing in some way something. So I ask you to please do that because our Lord knows it's the, the number of souls involved that also is important to him, not just how much one individual is willing to give, but the fact that there are many, many souls who are willing to give for his sake. So I ask that everyone take part, give something. Now, the Roman Catholic calendars and the Advent items are available in the bookstore today, and I ask you to please stop by the bookstore and to obtain Advent calendars, uh, the yearly calendar for 2024, and so on. Uh, we'll also have Roman Catholic calendars for 2024 available in the vestibule next week, next Sunday. Now, the bands of matrimony are announced for the third time for Anthony Byrne and Adriana LaJoy. If you know of any reason, if anyone knows of a reason why they cannot or must not be joined in holy matrimony, please, you have an obligation to inform the priests. In the meantime, I ask you to pray for them, Adriana and Anthony, that they have a blessed marriage indeed. Please join us for the public rosary today at the courthouse at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. The, rose, the weather is supposed to be somewhat overcast uh, with some shine, sunshine coming through. Uh, the mid-50s in temperature, not bad, really. Uh, so the weather cannot really be an excuse, I don't think. Uh, but we have plenty of reason to be there. December, December 8th our patronal feast day for our nation. We need to pray for our country. Our country is in serious trouble right now. And I pray in trouble not only on earth, but perhaps before God himself because of the many terrible sins committed by our people, notably by abortion, notably even here in Ohio. So I ask you to please uh, join us in calling upon God to be merciful to us and deliver us from this. It's praying for your country, not only for yourselves, but especially for those you are going to leave behind someday. You're leaving this country to them, 
What are you leaving for them? Well, we have to pray for that now. Join us 2 o'clock this afternoon at Hamilton County Courthouse for the Rosary. Now, the Sacrament of Confirmation will be provided here, administered on Saturday, April 20th. And there is a sign-up sheet and required paperwork will be available in the vestibule next Sunday, December 10th. So look for that information next Sunday, December 10th, in the, in the vestibule. Bishop Carroll will be here to administer the Sacrament of Confirmation, and I'm very, very happy to be able to announce it. Uh, it's a great source of great grace. So please, uh, if you have not yet been validly confirmed and you are able, eligible to do so, then please be sure to count on April 20th and to make all the preparations necessary to receive the sacrament at that time. The bands of ordination are announced for Mr. Michael Butler. Now, we haven't had these bands of ordination announced before because we haven't had a subdeacon to be ordained in quite some time. And uh, the seminary sent me the words of that announcement, so I'll read it to you. The bands of ordination are announced for Mr. Michael Butler. Mr. Butler will be ordained to the subdeaconate on Saturday, December 23rd. Anyone knowing of any reasons why Mr. Michael Butler should not be advanced to holy orders is obliged to bring it to the attention of a priest. I ask that you please keep him in your prayers as he takes this most important step toward the priesthood. God willing, in August, he will receive ordination to the priesthood of our Lord, and we will have one more very worthy priest to labor in the vineyard of Christ for souls. Now, this is a most important step for Mr. Butler. You know, we, he's been in the seminary quite a number of years now and has been ordained through the minor orders. But the church requires a full year of waiting between being ordained to the highest of the minor orders, acolyte, to receiving the first of the major orders, the subdiaconate because with the subdiaconate, he will be vowing to practice celibacy for his entire life and will be required from then on in to pray the divine office every single day of his life. And so this is such a, a big step that the church requires at least a year of waiting to determine whether or not God is calling them to this whether Mike, Mr. Michael Butler is being called to this. I know he takes it very seriously when he makes that step and makes that commitment. He will keep it faithfully throughout his lifetime. I ask you to pray for him now as he prepares to take that great step forward toward the priesthood, December 23rd, just a few weeks away. Now, the, the, winners, the names of the winners of the Pound of Silver raffle for the benefit of the camp those winners are announced in the bulletin today. You can check that and see and congratulate them. The decorating of the church for Christmas will take place on Saturday, December 16th. After the 8 o'clock morning mass, I ask you to please contact Sarah Gentry to let her know that you'll be here to help. 
to decorate the church for Christmas. The church has always been decorated so beautifully. It just seems perhaps that every year it's more beautiful than ever before. And I appreciate those who've worked so hard, so faithfully year after year to make the church so beautiful, to welcome our Lord on Christmas Day. That will be on December 16th, Saturday. And then following the church decorating, there will be a get together of the young adults of the parish in St. Susanna Hall to decorate St. Susanna Hall for Christmas as well. And lunch will be provided for them after the decorating. And all are welcome to stay and take part because there'll be a bit of celebration and some uh, good times as they uh, enjoy that company. So please contact Juliana Butler at the number given in the bulletin to ask questions or to get more information. That'll all be December 16th. Now today, there is also a celebration in St. Susanna, Sacred Heart Hall, I should say, sponsored by the Sacred Heart Club and the High School Girls Sodality. It is the annual St. Nicholas Bake Sale and Craft Sale. That is going on after this Mass in Sacred Heart Hall. So you're all invited to come and to join in. There'll be homemade baked goods and handmade crafts available. So please take advantage of this opportunity for their hospitality in, in Sacred Heart Hall after Mass. Bring the children especially, because I think they'll find it well more than interesting. And next Sunday, also December 16th, I'm sorry, December 10th, December 10th, the sports program will have a pancake breakfast as a fundraiser, and that will take place after the 9 o'clock morning mass a week from now, next Sunday, the pancake breakfast. So please be prepared to help with that. Also in the bulletin, I have the prayer uh, coming from the feast day of St. Andrew all the way to Christmas Day, the prayer to obtain favors. I also have a little statement about the, the difference between this time of Advent and the time of Lent still coming before us. Are they both penitential seasons? Well, this is the question that has been asked. And I try to explain what this means in the bulletin. You might check that out. And uh, if you have not been receiving or using the contribution envelopes Sunday by Sunday, they're there for your convenience, and we do have envelopes for you if you'd like to use them, even if you haven't used them in the past. Just let the church office know. Well, there were certainly many announcements today, but I did my, fulfilled my responsibility as I've been asked to make them all known to you. Uh, so I, I do ask you to please uh, still have uh, attention to one more most important announcement, and that is to do with the passing of Bishop Kelly. As you know, Bishop Kelly was here almost 30 years ago, actually. It was uh, January 24th in the year 1996 to consecrate our altars. And uh, he placed in our altars the relics of the martyrs so they would once again be altars. The altars had been despoiled of their relics by the Novus Ordo when they left the church and we placed in the sepulchres of the altars the relics 
of great saints. We have the relics in the main altar of St. Linus and St. Anacletus, the first two popes after St. Peter himself. In the Blessed Mother's altar, we have the relics of St. Maria Goretti and St. Philomena, two virgin martyrs many years apart and now joined so lovingly in heaven with our Lord. In the St. Joseph's altar, we have the relics also of two martyred popes, the third pope after St. Peter, St. Clement, and St. Calixtus, the Pope of the Catacombs. So that took place in a solemn ceremony here. The church was dedicated to the Immaculate Conception, January 24th, 1996. Now Bishop Kelly just passed away last night after a long and very fruitful life. Bishop Carroll sent to me this morning a statement that all the priests of the congregation of St. Pius V are reading from the pulpit. I thought this statement was very, very appropriate. So I thought I would make it too. I would read this statement being made in the congregation chapels at their masses today. Bishop Carroll says, in your charity, please pray for the repose of the soul of His Excellency Bishop Kelly. As you know, Bishop Kelly suffered from poor health for many years. He recently became weaker. And then began to decline rapidly yesterday. He passed away peacefully on first Saturday in the evening around 5.40 p.m. Bishop Kelly was holding the crucifix and was surrounded by the clergy, those he'd consecrated and ordained, by Mother Mary Bosco and the sisters and his own family. As a priest for over 50 years and a bishop for 30 years, Bishop Kelly offered the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, administered the sacraments, and established St. Pius V School and numerous missions throughout the country. With great foresight, he founded two religious congregations to comfort the Sacred Heart of Jesus and to provide for our spiritual needs and those of our children. Bishop Kelly labored with heroic zeal, charity, and patience, sacrificing himself tirelessly for souls. He truly was a good shepherd and pastor to us all. I think all of us could say we would not be here today if it were not for Bishop Kelly. How much we priests, as well as the laity, owe to him. Bishop Kelly was ever grateful for your prayers, sacrifices, and acts of kindness. As you pray for him, please also remember in your prayers his family, including his spiritual family of the priests and the sisters. Please call the convent in Roundtop for information concerning the funeral mass and burial. I ask you to please, as it says here in the announcement, to join me to kneel for a moment and offer some prayers for the repose of Bishop Kelly's soul.
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Eternal rest grant unto him, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon him. May he rest in peace. Amen. May his soul and the souls of all the faithful departed. To the mercy of God, rest in peace. Amen. The epistle for this, the first Sunday in Advent, is taken from the epistle of St. Paul to the Romans, chapter 13, verses 11 to 14. Brethren, knowing the time that it is now the hour for us to rise from sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is past and the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and impurities, not in contention and envy, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Please stand for the Holy Gospel. The Gospel is taken from that according to St. Luke, chapter 21, verses 25 to 33. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. At that time, Jesus said to his disciples, there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations by reason of the confusion of the roaring of the sea and of the waves, men withering away for fear and expectation of what shall come upon the whole world. For the powers of heaven shall be moved and then they shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great power and majesty. But when these things begin to come to pass, look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is at hand. And he spoke to them a similitude. See the fig tree and all the trees, when they now shoot forth their fruit, you know that summer is nigh. So you also, when you shall see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is at hand. Amen, I say to you, this generation shall not pass away till all things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Thus far the words of today's Holy Gospel. My words shall not pass away. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. My dear faithful, the pagans had a so-called god named Janus, or Janus, who had two faces, one looking forward and one looking backward. They'd put the image of Janus by their gates, the face looking out the gates, and the other face looking inside the gates. They thought of Janus also as looking forward and backward, even in time. So January, our month named after this 
mythological god Janus is meant to enable us to look forward and backward. We look back at the previous year and forward to the coming year. January 1st is the, therefore the pagan New Year's Day. But this day is our New Year's Day. This is the Catholic New Year's Day today. We don't look to Janus and his two faces. Our reference point is not to go by the winter solstice and the sun in the sky. Our reference point is the Son of God in heaven, the Son of God who has come to earth, our Lord Jesus Christ. He is our reference point. He is the cause of our new year. We begin to commemorate that time in human history when God had promised to send a Redeemer. And that promise of the Redeemer, Redeemer gives us our first Sunday of Lent, a time of anticipation as we look forward to his coming. Now, the idea of looking forward and, and backward is not entirely alien, though. We see in the Gospel of last Sunday, our Lord is prophesying in St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, about the coming events. And he actually mixes two events together. Just a generation after our Lord died on the cross and rose and ascended, Jerusalem itself was surrounded by the Roman legions, placed under a terrible siege, and finally sacked mercilessly. <laughs> Hundreds of thousands died miserable deaths there, and, and so many other thousands were marched back to Rome as slaves to build the Colosseum. Our Lord spoke of the events that would take place just one generation after his ascension into heaven. But he also joined what he said about the destruction of Jerusalem to what would happen at the end of the world, as though the destruction of Jerusalem was merely a small-scale instance of the misery that would beset the world when the whole world would be besieged not by the legions of Rome, but the whole world would be besieged by the powers of hell in its sinfulness. So our Lord actually mixed these two events together, very far apart in time, and yet, sad to say, very much linked to the rejection of our Lord by the Jews in Jerusalem and his rejection by the world at its end. Now we look to our Lord Jesus Christ as our reference point. The Gospel of last Sunday and the Gospel of this Sunday speak of our Lord's return to judge. But how different are these two Gospels? Matthew chapter 24 and Luke chapter 21, the Gospel for today. How different are these two Gospels? Yes, they speak of signs, the signs that happen on the earth and in the heavens above. St. Luke tells us, giving us the words of our Lord, signs in the sun and the moon, in the stars. The fathers of the church tell us that those signs spoken of have to do with the leaders of the church here on earth, the church hierarchy. 
Our Lord speaks of them being shaken. Some terrible tragedy afflicts the earth on this church on earth with the defection of her leaders and all of the evils that follow from that. This has been foretold and the fathers of the church have warned us about it. We might look at the situation in the church in the world today and say, we can see these signs, the shaking of these powers of heaven. We can see them even here on earth in what is now afflicting the church in her modernist synthesis of all heresies, of all errors coming from the Vatican. But our Lord also says in the gospel there will be distress of nations. And in fact, last Sunday's gospel spoke at some length about that great distress, even talked about the abomination of desolation that would be set up in the sanctuary of God here on earth. Something that is abominable to him, hateful to God, that would invade the sanctuary of Christ. Reminds us what Paul VI said, the one who brought in the new mass when he said this, smoke of Satan has filled the sanctuary of God. But the world and its nations will be terrified by the approach of our Lord because the world and its peoples, the people of the world, will recognize these signs and will understand that the judgment is coming, that there will be retribution, and that they will be held accountable for their treachery, for their faithlessness, their hopelessness, and their absolute rejection of the love of God. So the world around, all around, will tremble in terror at the prospect of the impending judgment with the coming of Christ. But that's not the point of today's gospel. The point of today's gospel is a word of comfort, hope, encouragement to us. While the world is shaken by the prospect of its judgment and its punishment, so those who are faithful to Christ should, as our Lord said, look up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is at hand. Your redemption is at hand. The deliverance of God who comes for you is at hand. So all of the souls in the state of grace, so many of them in heaven now actually, at this moment will look to see that great triumph of Christ, those faithful to him in heaven will rejoice, and those faithful to our Lord on earth will also look up, lift up their heads, and rejoice at the coming of the one whom they love, Jesus Christ, their Lord and Redeemer. And our Lord tells us that the signs would be as clear to those who are faithful as the coming of the fig tree's leaves in summer when the fig tree shoots forth its leaves, as our Lord says, that's an indication to all that summer 
is not far off. And so our Lord says, when you see these signs, know that as clear as those signs, as clear as the sign of the fig tree sprouting, so is the fact that the deliverance of Christ is at the very doors. Our Lord says that this generation will not pass away till all things be fulfilled. What does he mean by that? <coughs> well, the Thessalonians received our Lord with great, our Lord's faith with great joy. St. Paul went to preach to the Thessalonians, and so many of them embraced faith in Christ, leaving the sacrifices to the pagan idols and coming to the altar of our Lord. But the Thessalonians actually took quite literally the statement that this generation shall not pass away before these things be accomplished. And so the Thessalonians were actually slacking off from their daily lives, the duties of their daily lives. That's why St. Paul had to write a second epistle to them, telling them that the return of Christ was not imminent. Now, this was almost 2,000 years ago that St. Paul wrote his second letter to them to tell them that they should essentially get back to work and fulfill the duties of their state of lives because the Christ coming could not take place until certain things had happened. And that's where St. Paul, in the Second Thessalonians letter, tells them that there must be a great apostasy, a, the coming of the Antichrist, and the defeat of the Antichrist. And St. Paul explains all of that in chapter 2 of Second Thessalonians. It would be good for us to read that again today. In fact, we will read that the Saturday before Christmas Day. But as for you and me, we know not the day nor the hour, but we do see certain signs, and they seem to us to be unmistakable. Whatever the case may be, though, we should keep in mind that the day our Lord calls us from this world is the end of the world for you and me personally. That is the end of the world for us. Bishop Kelly died yesterday evening. For him, personally, the end of the world was 5.40 p.m. on Saturday night, yesterday, when God called him. And so Bishop Kelly left this world behind. Or did he? Well, it's not as though the world itself came to an end. But his sojourn here ended yesterday evening. But you can be sure that he still cares very much for the souls who have come to our Lord through his influence and his congregations and all the rest are still very dear to him. So in the sen that sense, the world, even with his death, did not come to an end for him. And in his mind and heart and soul, I'm sure he still feels that there is work to be done and that he will do everything he can to secure the blessing of God for those souls now who invoke the name of Christ, who hope in Christ and love him 
because of the life that Bishop Kelly lived. So in that sense, no, the world has not come to an end for him. And so it is with our loved ones when they pass away. We might think, well, the world has come to an end for them, but insofar as there are still those they love here, they still have work to do. And we must try to carry that on also. So when we are called by God for judgment, we stand before our Lord, and it is our Lord who shows us what we have done with the life that he gave us. On this first Sunday of Advent in this year of our Lord 2023, we should think about this and realize with this New Year's Day, we might want to say, well, if, if I knew that our Lord would be calling me, as he called Bishop Kelly last night, if any of us knew that our Lord would be calling us this evening to appear before him for the judgment, the particular judgment, what would I wish to do now? What would I do now if I knew that this evening I would stand for judgment? What would I do now if I knew that during this Advent season I would have to report to our Lord to give an account of my life? What would I change? What would I want to change in my behavior, in my words, in my actions? What would I want to change in my character? These are the questions that we should be asking ourselves right now as to what we can do for our Lord, what we can change, not necessarily so much in the world around us, but it begins with ourselves. What do I personally need to do for our Lord here and now? That's the question we should ask ourselves on this very day as we start a new spiritual year. Our Lord tells us that the one thing we have to be absolutely certain of is what he himself has told us. As he said, the heavens and the earth themselves will pass away. They will be totally transformed. But one thing that will not give way, will not yield to anything without being fulfilled, and that is his word. His word will not pass away. Not with us, not with the whole world. His word remains firm, secure, and true. God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.